0: Well, good morning and welcome everyone. I am your host, James Orr, and this is another episode of the ServingRealEstateInvestors.com podcast, webinar, Substack, whatever else we're doing. So today we got a really exciting class. This is the class about, you know, why work with creative financing real estate investors? as a real estate agent, lender, accountant, CPA, I thought it's probably a little cleaner, little direct, more direct path when we're talking about like accounting or maybe even even financial planning, advising, sort of that sort of stuff. But like, it's a little harder. It's a little bit more of a reach of a stretch to think about why would you want to work with creative real estate investors when you are a real estate agent or a lender? You're like, hey, look, you know, they're doing creative financing. Why? What loans am I going to do? And that would be short-sighted, as we will see. And for the real estate agents thinking, you know, I'm not willing or unable, unable or unwilling. I mean, I think you can look at it both ways. Maybe restricted in your marketplace uh, of kind of like brokering some of these creative creative transactions. And so you're like, you know, or there may be so few of them that you're like, you know, this doesn't seem like a good use of my time. And again, I think that would be short-sighted. So we will talk about that. That's what today's all about. So let's jump right into it. Um, There we go. So first thing I want to talk about is real estate investor versus real estate entrepreneur. And how, in my mind, they're actually different. And so an investor, real estate investor, implies, in my mind, that they're investing money and they're hoping to get a return on that money. And in a lot of cases, in order to be able to be a real estate investor, you need money. You need to be someone who can save money and is willing to take money and deploy it in order to get a return on investing that money. They're going to go put a down payment up and buy a property with 20% down, 25% down. In some cases, nomading with 5% down. And some rare cases, you know maybe like you know 0% down VA funding or USDA or 3.5% down FHA or whatever they're doing there. But it really implies that they're investing money and they're expecting to get a return of that money. And in a lot of cases, they're not doing a lot of labor, right? There's probably some working in acquiring the property. Maybe they're managing their own property. In, in a lot of cases, though, we're trying to help, um, or at least I'm trying to help my clients historically um, convert to a property manager at some point to make this more of a passive investment for them. So an investor implies that they're investing money. An entrepreneur, on the other hand, a real estate entrepreneur implies that they're putting in labor and effort and maybe some money, but they, they may be spending their money differently. You know, when you're t- talking about investor, a lot of times they are taking the money and they're putting it in as a down payment. Whereas when they're in a real estate entrepreneur, maybe they're taking some of their money and they're using that money in order to start a business and pay for business type expenses, like paying for marketing or, um, you know, paying to, Um, you know, acquire deals in creative ways, right? And what they're hoping to get as a real estate entrepreneur is they're hoping to get a return on their labor and on their effort. Not as much a return on their investment, although a lot of them will tell you they're really focused in on return on investment. But really, because they're working many hours, putting a lot of labor and effort in order to get their deals and stuff like that, they really should be thinking about getting a return on their labor and effort. So, real estate investor versus real estate entrepreneur the creative financing group tends to be more entrepreneur more entrepreneurial guys that are out there putting in labor and effort maybe a little bit of money and they're trying to get a return on that labor and effort and less of a return on their money although they would tell you they're trying to get a return on their money they just they're putting in a lot more effort than money in most cases i mean there's exceptions to this right but this is the general idea okay so i just want to make that distinction So the creative financing, let me just recap what creative financing means to me so that we're on the same page when we're talking about these guys. So these are real estate investors, real estate entrepreneurs that are interested in things like owner financing. They want the seller to be the bank. They want the seller to carry back financing to do that. Or wrap financing, where the seller owns a property and they still have a loan on it and they're willing to accept payments and sell the property to a particular buyer, but they've got that underlying loan still in place and so they're going to wrap it and allow, they're going to collect the payment, and they're going to take part of their payment, they're going to pay that underlying loan. They're going to wrap the the existing loan. Or loan assumption. They want to go out there and find a seller who is willing to sell their property and allow them to formally assume their loan. And this is usually for owner-occupants only, because usually the, the lenders, the banks, are not going to allow an investor to come in and formally assume a loan, although there's probably exceptions to that. And then there's the whole rent-to-own, lease-to-own, lease-option, lease-purchase family, where they're going in and they're renting the property from another landlord with the option to be able to buy the property. You know, A lot of the real estate entrepreneurs in this group are going to go contact uh, folks that have properties for rent, and they're going to say, hey, look, you know, provided I'm a really good you know, tenant and I pay my bills on time, would you consider selling me the property if I wanted to buy it from you? And some landlords, a certain percentage of landlords would be like, yeah, I would consider doing that. And so they'll structure a lease with an option, a lease where they're going to lease the property for a period of time and they have the option to buy it in a, anytime in the first year or two or three or five or 10 or whatever they negotiate. Or they're going to rent the property and they're going to have a purchase contract, You know, a lease purchase. In other words, they're going to have the lease on the property and then they have a purchase contract, a contract that is good for a certain period of time, whether that's a year out in the future or two years out in the future, whatever it is, that's kind of how they're going to structure those. And so they're going to do this. Or there's the whole agreement for deed, bond for deed, contract for deed, installment land contract group where someone is negotiating, buying the property, but they don't actually get titled to the property until they've completed the agreement. And then finally, there's the subject to, buying a property subject to the existing financing. The seller deeds the new buyer the property, leaves their existing loan in place, and the new buyer coming in agrees to make payments on the existing loan. So they're buying the property subject to the existing financing. And so that's the group of six kind of major categories of creative financing. And so as I was saying those, if you're a real estate agent or a lender and you're trying to serve real estate investors and add value and and be, you know, kind of a person who is a value add resource and tool and and a provider of services to real estate investors and real estate entrepreneurs, you may be hearing me say those and be like, you know, there's not a lot of places I can insert myself into there. Yeah, maybe loan assumption. You've got sellers in the MLS that are willing to sell a property and have their loan be formally assumed. Maybe there's some of those. Not a lot of owner financing, although maybe in some markets is more than others. But, you know, it's not a lot of those. And wrap financing, definitely not subject to, um, you know, the rent to own, lease to own. Yeah, it's not a lot of those. And, and how do I get paid on those, you know, if I'm a real estate agent? And, you know, if you're a lender, maybe you get paid, but, you know, this is like, you know, a year or two or three down the road once they finally go and exercise their option and do that. So it might be harder for you to see how to monetize it, but I think that would be short-sighted as we will go there. So let's first talk about pros and cons of working, of attracting and working with creative real estate investors. So the first thing is there's a really deep well of content to be able to share with these guys, right? How to go market to find deals. And a lot of the tools we use as real estate agents in order to go find clients, in order to go find listing clients, seller clients, is all the tools that a a real estate investor would use to go find a motivated seller in order to be able to buy a property at a deep discount. You know, their conversion ratio is a lot lower than ours because we're trying to sell and help someone sell retail and give them a lot more money than they would probably net if they went and they worked with a real estate investor. Think about that, right? Like that's, you're helping a seller sell retail and the real estate investor is trying to buy, in a lot of cases, wholesale, right? They're trying to buy it at a big discount or with very creative financing terms. Okay. So there's a deep wall of content to be able to share all the traditional real estate investing stuff, how to analyze a deal, um, you know, how to go and, landlord and and do management property management and like all that stuff is like the normal stuff we've got plus all the stuff on how to go find sellers how to go build the list of buyers how to go um you know kind of build your buyers list and build your sellers list because that's a lot of cases some of these guys are doing you know stuff like that where they're acquiring properties very creatively and then they're selling them creatively like they'll buy subject to and then they will sell on a rent to own or lease option Okay? so sometimes they're doing that and you, there's lots of things to teach, lots of opportunities to demonstrate value for them. Lots of classes and reasons to stay in touch. But it's not direct business for you in a lot of cases. Right. It's not like you're you're teaching them how to go acquire rental property inside the MLS. And so you might not make the connection as to why you might want to do this. So the, one of the reasons why is they may also end up being a client for other types of deals. So you attract them by giving them really great value on how to go do the business. Of being a real estate entrepreneur all the creative financing stuff and then they say okay i get it but i would still like to buy a owner occupant property for myself or i would like to go buy a nomad property for myself or maybe they see you teach all this stuff and maybe they are a new creative financing real estate entrepreneur that that kind of wants to go out there and do the deals but they decide that this is just too much work it's like effort and requires me being constantly on they're like you know I love real estate investing, but this real estate creative real estate investing is not for me. I don't like going out there and making seller presentations. I don't like all the rejection. I don't like you know negotiating and haggling over these deals and you know spending a lot of money on marketing and, and finding it very ineffective. Um, and, and they're unwilling or unable to go and do that. And you're like, okay, they they like the real estate investing and now they decide. To go and do other stuff, and you're the one that helped them do stuff, and you have a shared background, shared knowledge, and you were helpful to them, and they want to go work with you in order to do more traditional real estate investing. And so you're getting them upstream in some cases. Are you gonna rescue every creative real estate investor and convert them to you know more traditional buy from the MLS type guys? Absolutely not. There are gonna be very experienced, very active, creative real estate investors real estate entrepreneurs that are going to be out there trying to do deals and you are not going to be able to convert them from doing the creative stuff they're doing to more traditional stuff. But there are some that will do that. And if you're going to teach the class because you want to attract some of these people and because you want to let even your existing clients who are doing traditional stuff just to be aware of what else is out there so that they don't think you're hiding anything from them, which is another reason to do this, right? you want to expose all of your guys to this idea and say, look, you know, I'm happy helping you do with the way we're doing this, but if you want to be much more active and spend money on marketing and go out there and, and negotiate these deals, this is how you go and do it and, and sharing that with them. And I think a lot of them would appreciate that even if they're not willing to do it. And you might get them to refer people that might not otherwise be coming to your classes because you're teaching these topics. Okay. Now, another big reason, another pro of working with these creative real estate investors is referrals of retail properties to list. As I mentioned before, a lot of these guys are going to be spending money on marketing in order to go find these types of creative deals. The tricky part is a very small percentage of the ones that they find with their marketing are going to actually do a deal with it. Depending on who you listen to and what your numbers are and what your definition of a deal is, usually it's about one out of 10. So for every 10 leads that they generate, they're only going to buy one. And yes, it could be a little bit better if they're amazing and they're willing to take on a wider range of deals and you know, less good deals. But you, know, you could argue that maybe you're taking on too many deals with you know, too low of a profit margin if you're doing more than one out of 10, okay? So what are they gonna do with the other nine out of 10? They're not buying them. You know, They're ones that they go and they meet with the seller. They talk to the seller. They're like, seller, I could pay you this deeply discounted cash price or I could pay you this slightly higher but with creative terms offer on a property that, you know, I'll buy from you subject to. And the seller is like, I don't like either of those options. Your price is too low for cash and I'm not willing to let you take over my property subject to, I need to get closer to this number, which is a retail price. And so now if you're working with these creative real estate investors, you could say to them, look, you're going to find these nine deals out of 10 that are not great deals for you that don't accept your offer. If you let me know about them, I will be able to help them get that higher retail price if it's not going to work for you. And I will carve you out of the listing agreement such that if some point down the road, they change their mind and they would like to go back and accept your low cash offer or your creative terms offer and actually end up going with you, I will step away from the listing agreement. There'll be no fee earned to me, owed to me. There'll be nothing that you need to do with the seller. I I just understand that. There's going to be one or two guys every once in a while that will end up wanting to go with you. And I don't want to stand in your way because the deal came from you. And so you could carve them out. You could exclude them from your listing agreement and still work with the sellers um, to provide value to your creative real estate investor and to the seller directly. So you could get referrals to retail buyers list. So now you've got a guy out there who's doing all this marketing in order to go find these amazing creative deals that they want to do, or very deeply discounted cash deals that they want to do. And a large percentage of them, let's say it's even half, right? It's not even nine out of 10. Let's say it's five out of 10. So five out of 10 of them are not going to accept their offer. Well, that's five listing appointments for you. And who knows what your conversion rate is on listing appointments, but probably greater than 50%, you know, going to help these guys do that. So, you know, for every 10 properties they find with their marketing, you're able to get a couple of clients from that. Are you willing to trade some work to them for doing that? Like they're like, hey, listen, I uh, I need to know what this property is going to be worth if I go fix it up. Would you be willing to run some comps for me? Would you be willing to run some comps on some properties knowing that, hey, look, if if they are not able to come to an agreement and buy this property from them, this may end up being a listing for me anyway. I may be going on a seller presentation, you know, listing appointment in order to talk to the seller about listing their property retail. So sure, I'll go find out what the property is worth. I'll look it up for you because I'm probably going on this listing appointment, you know, half the time or 90% of the time. So yeah, you might be willing to trade that work off if you're willing to do it. So don't overlook this referrals of retail properties. Now realize This is not your normal, if you're focusing on real estate investors and that's where you want your clients to be, this is not your client base, right? This is not investors. The listings are not not investors. So it's sort of like you're gonna have dual businesses going. You're gonna have the business of working with real estate investors, helping them buy and sell rental properties and Nomad and House and all that other stuff. Um, And then there's gonna be this other side business where you're listing properties for traditional retail sellers, which is fine. I mean, I, I think that's totally fine. Just your choice. Now I I chose not to do that. Early on, I did some of this, but later on, I'm like, you know, I'm just too busy. I would rather stay focused on this. Uh, Was not my thing to do the retail buyers, and I know that there are people on here cringing saying, James, just hire someone. You know, bring in a team member. I didn't want to manage a team member. (laughs) I liked my free time, the free time that I had. I didn't want to have to deal with you know managing someone else. Not my skill set. Okay. All right. So, pros referrals to retail property sellers talked about that, and then many times. These investors are acquiring these properties creatively. And over time, they want to optimize their portfolio. They want to maximize their return on equity. And so a lot of times they're going to want to sell the property and maybe take that and 1031 exchange into something else, something bigger. And it may be harder for them to find these creative larger deals where they may not have the time or desire to do that, especially with their timeframes with the 1031. And so sometimes they want to sell some of their creative deals later on, You can help them do that. And then they sometimes want to take that money, 1031 exchange up into something larger. Or they may want to just do a cash out refi if you're a lender and you can help them with that too. Okay? Now, downsides. This is not directly teaching content that will result in direct real estate brokers, transactions, and new loans. That's the downside, right? Like you're you're not teaching classes that will directly lead to you doing transactions. And I don't think, in my opinion, you don't want to exclusively teach creative financing stuff. You want to have this as part of your curriculum, part of a wide range of stuff. And this is not something you repeat every quarter, although maybe you do one class of a different type every quarter. But this is not like every quarter you're doing a series of five different classes on the five parts of running a creative real estate business, right? This is like the maybe once a year, maybe once every two years, you kind of come through and you do your cycle of your creative financing type classes. You know, how to market to find motivated sellers? How to go on seller presentations? How to comp properties in order to determine value? Which sort of kind of overlays with some other ones, but it's it's a it's definitely one for creative guys. You know, go look at my class list of all the different class topics, but that's sort of the idea. So you're not doing this super frequently. Another downside of working with creative real estate investors is it's a limited property type and an unreasonable creative financing property requirements. So, a lot of times we're not directly brokering these because they want to buy at this really, really deep discount that's going to be, it's going to require a lot more work and effort than you have to spend if you're busy doing stuff. Now, if you only got one client, you could argue that maybe you should do more of these. But I'm going to tell you the temptation is a false one because you'd be better off spending time attracting more clients than to really focus in on trying to get these unreasonably unusual deals. Okay. Um, I don't know, just really hard. It's a lot of effort and a lot of work to do these. So like I told you, it's like one out of 10. So it's it's really hard to do that. A lot of effort to do it. Your market may or may not have an abundance of these. So you may be in a market where these are unheard of, or you may be in a market where these are all over the place. And if they're all over the place, maybe it's not a con. Maybe you can do it and you could do it reasonably. Another con, creative financing, real estate investors tend to gravitate toward More creative financing for future purchases. It's not always the best long term clients for agents and lenders because they, once they buy creatively, they tend to want to buy creatively in the future, especially once they hit their kind of loan thresholds. You know, they've got 10 loans in their name and they're like, well, I I now need to go buy creatively because I don't want to go do portfolio loans, as an example. Okay. So that's sort of off the top of my head, like some of the pros as to why you might want to work with them, some of the downsides of working with them. And I really do think that this is something you probably want to do a little bit of to attract more people, gets a wider net out there of different types of people that you have coming in. And then sometimes they will be good regular clients, but it also helps educate your existing clients, the more traditional real estate investor clients as to the other options out there and to hear your take on it. And I think that builds rapport, builds trust, builds credibility And it helps you in the long run with clients doing more traditional transactions, okay? That's all I got for you. Hope you enjoyed class. This has been James Orr. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye for now.